Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to episode 459 of Film A Bastards. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Becky is en route. Um, I wasn't able to record the usual recording day this week, so, uh, you know, there we are. Um, But Becky will be here later on. My my brain can't Um, get it out of itself, but it's not Wednesday. (laughs) Like, no, it's weird. Like, it's weird. Like, um, I, 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 I knew. I know that, that that this week's Champions League game, Liverpool are playing on Wednesday, and so I was going right, get everything sorted so that I can just when we finish recording, I can put the football on and get wait a minute, wait, no, what? Tomorrow? This doesn't make sense. Oh shit, it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it's it's spinning me out. I won't lie. Um, and uh, it's not because the Apple events tomorrow. I, I legit <laughs> n- need to pick up Lottie from somewhere tomorrow, so um, I just like couldn't record. But I will have the Apple event going through the car speakers while driving. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Just gonna tangent ever so slightly, even though we've only just started. The Apple Watch Pro, if that thing is actually a thousand pounds. Fuck! What the what, what, so right? So go on then. Fuck it. Let's tangent on this one. So if that's going to be a thousand pounds, which the thing is, for a watch, a thousand pound isn't is is not an unreasonable amount of money in general sort of terms or, or in expensive watch terms. You could spend an awful lot more on a watch, um, but for a smart watch, that's going to have to be really fucking smart. So, it the screen's big. Apparently, the battery life is going to be pretty substantial, um, and it's trying to compete with like Garmin kind of sport watches for like you know like the really like serious like ultra marathon people and like rock climbers and shit like that. Apparently, one of the side buttons will be programmable for whatever the fuck you want it to do. Um, which is interesting, I suppose, if you just wanted to start a workout or something straight away by pressing the button. Fair enough. The little digital crown is bigger, um, but that kind of feels like that. that's about it. The thing is, the Series 8, the only thing they're adding is a body temperature sensor. Like, that. that is literally it. I've got a Series 7 uh, cellular. I'm absolutely... F- fine with that my only thing is if the battery life is literally you could run a marathon without a phone and it's not like i run marathons all the time or anything but i go running without my phone because i don't like having like a bun bum bag and shit or like yep. a thing on my shoulder uh, on my arm um i go running five miles it take and, and then i'm listening to like a podcast on cellular um my battery goes down by about 50 percent so I couldn't even do a half marathon, which is a much more mm. thing I would do, like be likely to do. Um, but is it worth that thousand pounds? No. When if I'm going to do that, I just f- 
deal with having my phone in my pocket and running with it because if it's running if it's getting the data off the phone and it's not pulling it down from the 4g signal then it uses a lot less battery yeah so like i ran a marathon with an apple watch and it didn't run out of battery and that was an apple watch from like four years ago so it that that you know that is possible um but if it was like literally this thing will go days without needing charging that's interesting but it's not a thousand pounds interesting it's one of those that's like i'd really like that but i don't want to spend a thousand pounds on it (laughs) no i mean if that kind of tech is just going to trickle down anyway and like the Apple Watch Series 10 will offer three days battery life without needing charging or something like that, then great. But we'll we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. AirPods Pro 2 are going to be announced, it looks like. Um, if there's some health features, health tracking features there that I don't already have on the watch, I'd be interested. Apparently, it's going to have support for lossless audio. Which could be interesting. We'll see. We'll see. I really like my AirPods Pro, but we'll see. And the iPhone 14 looks like it's going to be pretty iterative. And I've got a 13 Pro. I really don't think I'm going to have my head turned. So it'll be interesting tomorrow to see what comes out of it all. Like the Apple Watch Pro looks fucking huge. Mm. Like it's a big boy. Some of like the uh, the renders that have come out. Um, I think we're just at this point where you don't necessarily need to fucking upgrade your shit every year. And I do usually upgrade my shit every year, but I don't think I will be. Yeah, I've had this Apple Watch now since, I think, for getting on for four years now. Uh, and I'm kind of still fine with it, to be honest. Um, what, what series is it? Mine is a... I would actually know. I've not... Uh, weirdly, because I think I've got a Series 3, what are they up to at the moment? Uh, so the Series the series 8 is the one that's going to be announced tomorrow. The Series 3 is literally not going to support the the new Watch OS. It can't be the Series 4. Because actually, I don't have my original one. I have Becky's, because Becky, cause my original the, one, the screen broke on it. it. Like It just went to half the screen constantly. Oh, that's right. And Becky was like, look, do you just have mine? Because I, I, I don't use it at all for anything other than us as an actual watch. <laughs> so. do, do you have the ECG monitor on it? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay, so it's not Series 3 then. I think it, it's at least a Series 4. It's the okay. one above the, the, the one. My old one had the ECG on it, uh, and it, it's the one after that, so I think it's a Series 5. Yeah, but it doesn't have the blood oxygen. Ooh. No, I don't think it does on the watch, no. Right, okay, yeah, so that'll be the 4 or the 5 then. I'm trying to think what the difference between the 4 and the 5 was. I think. should probably say on the back of something somewhere, shouldn't it? You think so? But you never know with Apple, do you? My mm. eyes don't work very well, so... Apple Watch something. It's it's in, it's in rose gold. <laughs> cool. Oh, nice. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's interesting because it's like, and go, I'll stop in a second. But when companies become big, the only way to really increase shareholder value is for them to basically burn cash going into other industries and then trying to disrupt those markets and become a player. So Apple did that with the um, with the watch. Um, and they tried to do that with the car and they're still working on that. But now it's like, what do they do next? I just I just finished um, listening to an audio book um, after Steve, which is about the after the death of Steve Jobs, the basically the relationship between Tim Cook and Johnny Ive and how they just went in completely different directions. It's really, really good audio book, really good dog walking book that. Um, and it was it was talking about this and how they wanted to go in the, with the car and Ive's big thing was the the watch and he wanted to break into the fashion industry with it, which was why like the first one, you had like the Apple Watch edition, which was like a ten thousand dollars or whatever it was and like they they really tried to fashion it up and then they pivoted into the health market and now it's like are they going to announce a headset it could be that a peak of their first headset comes out tomorrow probably not but maybe and it's like what are they gonna do because you're at this point now where the smartphone is basically almost like as good a piece of tech as it's ever going to be like you can make iterative upgrades like in, improve the battery life and things like that but what a smartphone does now is basically what a smartphone did five years ago yeah so now it's like well where do they go the watch it's like last i think last year it was okay the display is always on now and that was it this year body temperature sensor like all these kind of innovations are slowing down um and it it, but at the same time the mac lineup has not been as good as this in years i've got the i bought a couple weeks back the macbook pro 14 inch um and it is fucking incredible it is an incredible piece of hardware and you know but again you can make things faster and they're doing their own silicon and all this kind of stuff now. So like the fucking vertical integration Apple have right now is in insane. Um, but where do they go from there? That's the thing. It's like, wh- what are they going to do? Tim Cook's not going to be around forever. Um, is the car going to happen or are they just going to um, like shove CarPlay into everything else? It's It's a really really interesting time and that event is going to be probably quite boring but in that boredom that's going to say something and we'll see maybe i should be a fucking tech podcaster i don't know (laughs) i shouldn't be i like talking films but um yeah we'll see i'll come back on next week and it'll be like yeah so i ordered the iphone 14 and (laughs) watch pro I'm getting myself some AirPod twos. <laughs> the AirPods, I could absolutely see myself buying because mine are a couple years old and the battery isn't as good as they used to be. So there, there is some sort of reason for why I might want to upgrade my AirPods. I, I, I'll be honest, I literally got my AirPods because Ian told me I should. <laughs> you got the pros, haven't you? I, I didn't get the pros, no. 
Black um, oh. because, because literally, I, I I was like, I don't need AirPods, so I definitely don't need AirPod Pros. But I love my AirPods; they're great. The thing is, if you love AirPods, fucking hell, are you gonna love AirPods Pro? The the thing is, I I use my. This is terrible film podcasting, by the way. Um, I use my. I don't care. This I is use great. my AirPods. Um, like. Most people use them, like, like, oh, so where do you use your headphones? It's like, oh, I use them, like, like, on the bus or when I'm walking the commute and bits like that. Do you know what I probably use my AirPods the most? Hmm. When I'm doing housework. <laughs> because I can either have them connected to my phone and I can listen to a, a podcast. Yeah. Or I can have them connected to the TV and I can have a film on. And it doesn't matter if I'm hoovering everything and bits like that. Because I can still yeah. watch the TV and I can still hear yeah. it because I've got my AirPods on, and so that's what I use them for. And but then, even though I didn't have any need to have my AirPods in, I'd been doing some housework and I had my AirPods in, and I just completely forgot that I had my AirPods in. I tidied up and everything like that, and then stopped what I was doing and thought, "Actually, you know what? I've got a little bit of time before I need to do the next thing I can do. I'm gonna have a little go on uh, Tony Hawk's." And then started playing, and I was like, God, the sound on this has got better, hasn't it? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, it's because I've still got my AirPods in. I mean, it just the noise cancellation in the AirPods Pros. It is, like, it is, it is, apparently, it is very good from what I understand. They, oh, they fucking bang, mate. They bang, they bang. Um, right, anyway, Apple event. There you go. That's my annual Apple chat. So. <laughs> Coming up on this week's show, um, we so we you know we were going to be doing like a few kind of joint reviews, but it has actually hasn't turned out like that. So we're going to be talking about all the films that we said we were going to cover, mm. but it's not they're not all going to be uh, group reviews. So the film that we all saw, we will be covering George Miller's latest Three Thousand Years of Longing. Yep, um, and then. Uh, we will be talking about other films. One of us has seen Michael Flatley's Blackbird. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very upset that it's not me. <laughs> I, I literally, um, I, I messaged Bex on Monday. I didn't, do it, I didn't go because I, I had another reason to not go, but I was still possibly going to go on Monday until I found out this other reason. Um, and then, but I messaged Bex and said, Right, how unreasonable would it be to do a two-hour round, uh, two, a 200-mile round trip to go and see Blackbird? I just got a message back saying, slightly. <laughs> mm. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if you're going to regret it. I, I am going to regret it. Later. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, I regret it. Right, um... now. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, look, we'll talk about it later, and I'll, I'll try not to upset you. Um, we, we we definitely got some news. I think we got some trailers. We'll have some what we watched. We got Twitter questions. So there we are. Um, we are a Pod Syndicate podcast. Please listen to uh, friends of the show like Ginstroker versus Punter and Same at Landfill, The Iron Sequel, The Rewatch Project, and his film uh, Movie. And right, actually, I want to get separate reactions on this. So we haven't recorded this yet, but we're going to be recording the first part of our. Modern Apes Trilogy Patreon series, which I insist we call 
I hate every ape I see, from <laughs> bastard A to bastard Z. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's great. <laughs> I'm glad you understood that reference. Honestly, that episode of The Simpsons is pretty much destroying Planet of the Apes for me. Because I can't not... Every time I watch anything to do with Planet of the Apes, I can't not end up just wanting to watch that episode of The Simpsons. It's just... It's the Dr. Zayas song. Yep. It's... There's a strong possibility that that might be The Simpsons' greatest achievement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just the whole that whole planet, the eight bits. That oh <laughs> yeah. my god, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so good. The thing um, is, you can imagine them sitting. Whoever wrote that bit sitting there and going, "Oh, can we? Can we do it? It's so bad that can we do it?" And the fact that they did. I just, uh, that whole episode is incredible. Like, that's proper premium era Simpsons as yeah. well. Like, what, like, maybe like season seven or eight, something like. I think it's something like, like that, when, yeah. Like, really firing on all cylinders shit. Um, oh, my word. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Patreon.com forward slash Film Bastards for that. That series is going to be a lot of fun. Why Cookie Rocket? So, um, let's talk about some news. And it's film festival or go-go time, baby. It is so, indeed. Oh, and that reminds me, um, I've got LFF accreditation again somehow. So, um, I am planning on being in London, uh, I think the weekend of Saturday, the 15th of October, uh, listener to the show, uh, John has already suggested meeting up for a drink. I am very much planning on taking him up on that offer. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, the online, there's going to be some sort of online screener library got a feeling it's going to be not as good as it was for the last couple of years for obvious reasons um but i am planning on checking out some stuff um i'm gonna probably buy a couple of tickets as well so i know i can see things there is a documentary based on the book about the noughties essentially the bands from the 2000s uh, the book Meet Me in the Bathroom, there is a documentary based on that coming out, which is so extremely my shit, I can't even. So, very much looking forward to checking that out. Um, there's a lot of other good stuff playing LFF as well. Um, and also She Said. Um, no, that's really harsh. Um, I'm sure She Said will be good. Saw the trailer for that again in front of 3,000 Years of Longing. And it's just the most drab-looking fucking thing. It, it, it is a little bit I like they, it, they, they don't know how to market that film. It's just, it's all I want is something like Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight. Yeah. Like the whole kind of like, they knew, they knew! You know, you just, you want that. And but I, I don't know whether we're going to get that. Yeah. If you go back and look at the Spotlight trailer, though, 
Actually, no, sorry, it's not. Do you know what it's, the trailer? It 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 most reminded me of. Do the Spielberg movie The Post? Sure. The trailer for that makes it look a little bit like this. Just looks a little bit like Spielberg doing a HBO special, and then it was actually a really good film. Like kind of like mm. a bit of an underrated film, I think, of the past few years. You know, it wasn't like just it should have won awards or anything like that, but it was just a, it was a really solid four out of five. Yeah, yeah, and it, I, I don't know. It just that film needs to not just be vegetables. Yeah, it, it, it yeah, very it, badly. It, it needs to be. It can't just be fine. It needs to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, anyway, so LFF, there will be LFF coverage on Bastards this year. Um, it's gonna be real fucking weird doing it without Dan being around. Um, but. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll have a drink in his offer in the in the BFI South Bank, and yeah, nice. Uh, anyway, so um, Venice has been full force. Yes. Um, white noise opened it. Already seems to have completely disappeared out of the public consciousness. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, it's uh, before there was even any hot takes, uh, they'd all gone quite cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we'll 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 see that that's playing LFF. Um, gonna uh, try and check check that out. I wouldn't mind seeing that big because apparently there is some like. Noah Baumbach doing a disaster movie is interesting to me. I'm just going to... There you go. So, um, but yeah. Uh, White Noise. Uh, Inaritu's new film, which I think we're both looking forward to, yes. um, was met with a bunch of poo-poo stinky faces. Yeah, which, 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 just, which, which just makes me want to see it even fucking more. Um, because it's it, the, yeah. the the critics who were poo poo facing it will have been the same ones who um, who absolutely adored Roma. Was it? Yeah. What's Roma's last one? Wasn't uh, it? And it adored what? Sorry. Uh, Roma was his last one, wasn't it? Uh, that's quite wrong. Um, it, no, it, he hasn't done one since The Revenants. We did Birdman, Revenants, sorry, The Revenants, yeah. two in two years. Yes, and then hasn't done a film since. Yeah. Um, Am I getting these directors confused? I think I am, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm getting my Mexican directors confused. Yeah, I think it's that's it. It's there's people seem desperate to take him down, and I want to know why. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 look, it's a near three hour film that kind of seems like it's semi autobiographical about a director who feels bad about leaving his past behind or something like that. Um, and but the thing is, I heard. That one critic called it all that jizz, and another critic said it was Inaritu's eight and a half. The thing there, both is, of those, yeah, I, that I, sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, I, I've seen so many critics compare it to eight and a half. It's like saying, "Oh, it, 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 it's Inaritu's trying to do eight and a half," and I'm going, "Hang on a minute, I bet you love eight and a half, though. It's a great fucking film. It's madness. It's brilliant. What's what?" <laughs> Yeah, uh, fucking go! I'm, I'm, I'm all go for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Pearl, kind of just 
Pearl was that. I'm not surprised. Yeah. That that doesn't feel like a Venice film, does it? Nope. That's a South by Southwest at best. Yeah, but X, I think X played South by Southwest. Ah. So it kind of makes sense. It, it got it got some good word, did Pearl, and you know, fair play. I yeah. that's what that's one I will get to. Yeah, and I'm the, there you I, go. I, 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 I'm the same. I'll watch it. Mm. <laughs> it's about as close as I'll get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the Banshees of Inishirin appears to be the big big one for people so far. Yeah. Um, I mean, all I'm going to say is, you three billboards haters, you're fucking coming back now, aren't you? You're, you're coming back now. <laughs> do you know what? The thing is, I, I, I think I'm going to go back and rewatch Three Billboards, because I really liked it, but I didn't love it. But I really liked it, but I think I just got a little bit bored of the discourse that was going on with it at the sure. time. Um, yeah, and was just a little bit like, do you know what? I can't even be asked to have an opinion on this that much because there's just no point. There's too much blur about it that I can't be bothered with. It, it, it's like I, 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 it, the main thing was, yeah. Well, how can you how can you feel sorry for Sam Rockwell character when his character is is appalling? You know, this is they're giving him an Academy Award. For this like you, you do realize that it's a character. <laughs> Fucking what acting is. Mm. I mean, I, 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 I think the nomination he got the year after for Vice, where he's in it for maybe five minutes and doesn't make that much of an impression, is uh, is is worse. It, 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 it's it, yeah, that that was one of those. Uh, Sam Rockwell, all right, yeah, yeah, fuck, he gets nomination. Wait a minute, have you seen the film? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Um, uh, I mean, we talked we talked about the trailer for that for that a couple of weeks back, and it, yeah, looks. Fun, <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, there's like talk of Colin Farrell getting an Oscar nomination, and holy fucking shit, Colin Farrell on the awards trail would be something. Yeah, that'd be so fun. Yeah, it, it, it's it, he's he's a really good listen. Actually, when Colin Farrell gets talking about, because the thing about Colin Farrell is, I think that that people miss is he is a fucking full-blown cinephile like loves fucking movies kind of dude as well Mm. and that's it's really cool when you get you know people who work in film who actually really fucking like film (laughs) yeah yeah i yeah exactly um i've not seen after yang yet i'm waiting for that fucker to get a theatrical over here um, so, and I, like, I really can't wait for that, but, um, well, I can wait. I've got it sat on my fucking Mac, I'll be absolutely <laughs> honest, and I haven't watched it yet, because I want to fucking, wa- like, like, watch it as officially as I can. <laughs> and the thing is, I was even... I, I, I'm not watching it until Ian's watched it, so we can talk about it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, God, I even looked at the fucking in-flight entertainment to see if there was any chance it was playing on there, and no such luck. Um and uh yeah, but I think I'm gonna watch Top Gun Maverick on a plane though. So I'm quite looking forward to that. <laughs> that, that, that that's like my I'll only watch on some time machine in the hot tub. Oh I'm, I I I could never only watch Top Gun Maverick on a plane, I'll tell you what. But it's like it's fucking I was like literally I don't know why I was talking about it, but I was talking to my father-in-law yesterday and I was like, oh, you know, and Top Gun Maverick's on the plane. He was like, oh, is it really? I was like, yeah. He was like, 
you know, I mentioned that to Jill when she was like, nope, not watching that. And it was like, well, I'm going to watch it. And Donna was like, I might watch it as well. It was like, yeah, everybody wants Top Gun Maverick on the plane. Let's go. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, where were we? Um, so yeah, I, yeah, Colin Farrell, Oscar campaign, very, very here for it. Yes. Let's go. Apart from the other film, have there been any others like in in Venice that have like caused any? The uh, I don't think there has. The Walter Hill film is screening now, I believe, actually, as we speak. Yeah. Um, and the early word from it, cause it has actually screened other places. It's got its premiere at Venice, but it has actually screened a couple of other like like small festivals. Um, mm. And so it's, but it, it apparently it, it's really quite good. <laughs> it's a good cast, though, eh? It's a good cast. Um, you know, Walter Hill. I mean, last film was Bullet in the Head. Um, it's about mm. ten years ago, I think. And then I think it was another ten yeah, years to his last film before time. that. So he's not a. He, I mean, he's never really, with the exception of the eighties, been a prolific um, filmmaker. But possibly, and I, I always state this, possibly. One of the most important um, filmmakers, writers, producers, you know, of modern, like, well, not even modern, but post seventies cinema. Um, I think you could say there, in terms of, but that gets very little, um, doesn't seem to get the credence that he probably deserves. Yeah, I, well, was, that actually also comes out while I'm in the US, but I got a feeling that might be one that just comes out on VOD pretty quickly anyway. I, I would think so, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Schrader's latest, Master Gardener played. Um, people seem to like it, and that's about it. Schrader's fucking pumping him out at the moment, isn't he? Mm. He's riding that fucking first reformed good word like a motherfucker. I mean, the car collector was great. So it's just it's fucking what a bounce back though. Yeah, like five years ago or maybe ten years ago, never ever ever would you say Paul Schrader would be having the career resurgence that he is now. I mean, it's good for him. Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, I, I would, I would, I'd say you're probably right. I would say only five years ago, what was fucking? What was like Dog Eat Dog? I mean, Dog Eat Dog was 2016. I mean, we like we quite like Dog Eat Dog, didn't we? Wild. Uh, I can't even remember Dog Eat Dog anymore. Yeah, it was Willem Dafoe, but it's quite good. Dying of the Light with Nick Cage and Anton Yelchin. Okay. That was that was yeah. only eight years ago, and that was was not good. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, good on him. Yeah, and that came out a year good after after the Canyons. Mm. We reviewed that, didn't we? We did review Canyons. Yeah. That that feels like a dregs of COVID fucking film to review. That yeah, that, like, that fuck is nearly like ten years wee. old. That was quiet week. Yeah, that must have been a quiet fucking week. Wow, we. Um, but I suppose the uh, the thing that's been taking all the oxygen um, ever. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I don't know whether rightly or wrongly at this point. So I'm gonna say, don't worry, darling. I think. It is fucking incredible that Florence Pugh is just coming out of this completely smelling like roses. Yeah. People who don't like the film, 
like her in it. Um, they make an excuse that she's going to skip the press conference uh, because her flight from Budapest isn't going to land in time. And then she's pictured fucking arriving at Venice while the press conference is still going on. Yeah. Um, and then could barely be sat further away from Olivia Wilde during the premiere. Yeah. It's there's another thing that I that I thought was was just a bit like oh fuck off about the seating of the premiere not having Harry Styles sat next to Olivia Wilde was a little bit like yeah. right for a start off he's the star of the movie he can sit next to you and secondly everybody knows you're dating it's not a secret dickhead yeah I yeah I, it, it Chris Pine <laughs> the fucking pictures of him in that press conference. <laughs> are amazing but it's contrasted with at the premiere him fucking what like taking like old school camera pictures of Florence Pugh and Florence Pugh obviously acting up only for him yeah um like that is fun uh, uh, what what I like <laughs> is the the pictures taken like I think they were last week of him um in LA um at a record shop he was out buying some records in LA and he had like really fucking like long hair, like long blonde hair just in a fucking, in a man bun and a massive beard. Like I'm sat here with this massive grey beard. Um, and you looked at him and thought, fucking, I like, I like the fact that th- th- that man clearly does not give a fucking shit. <laughs> and then everyone's expecting him to turn up looking raggedy as fuck at what is it, Cannes, and he just turns up looking fucking just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, um, it's great. It, it, I mean, and, but the reaction to the film seems mixed at best. Yeah. Um, Robbie Collin is the only person I've I've seen come out there and say actually it's really good. And to be honest, it kind of feels like that take was fucking prepared there, no matter what. Anyway, you mean like me um, Collins liked so it? That he... <laughs> Sorry, you mean like me Collins liked it? He was yeah, he was yeah, never um, gonna dislike that fucking film. Yeah, so I it, I don't know it. It's going to be really interesting to see how that film does. The thing is, I'm still looking forward to it. I was, I was looking at the poster outside when I outside um, Becky got in the bathroom after we came out of Three Thousand Years of Longing, um, and I was looking at the poster for it and going, "There's some fucking interesting shit going on in this poster." And mm. so I, it was making me go, "I, I, I just hope it's not boring." And the problem is a lot of the reviews are saying it's just messy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, is messy just a basically a way of going, look, everybody in it's fine, but the director's shit. Which just, that, hey. that feels a little bit mean. <laughs> I really, really hope I like it. I really, yeah, I'm the same. I, I really hope I like it. I, I 100% do not want to go in so I can come out and shit talk it. I want it to be good. Yeah, fucking right. Um, and the uh, Joanna, the Joanna Hogg's latest has been playing the Eternal Daughter, um, small Tilda Swinton ghost story. Apparently, yeah. 
Um, people seem to be a little bit meh on it, which is a shame. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think that's about it. I, like I said last week, I don't want to spend two and a half hours of my holiday watching a film I don't like. Yeah. So, that, like, you know, I if you sense an anti-wild bias in me, it's because I don't like Booksmart. I think that film was one of the most overrated films in a number of years. And she then rode that all the way to Don't Worry Darling. So she can absolutely take the knocks along with the praise. Yeah, but, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the still thing that, that I cannot understand with Booksmart, and again, I, I would... I. I'd love to sit down with, with somebody and just have a, have just a conversation with somebody who really likes it, and I will do at some point, have a conversation with somebody who really likes it, is I don't get how. There's just not... I didn't hate it, but there just, there just didn't seem to be... It was just all a bit like, huh, all right, cool, yeah, all right. It was just mm. it. It was basically if you were to get a pull quote from me, it'd just be like, nah? "All right then." <laughs> there's just, there's yeah. not a lot to it, but the problem is, it it's so it, it's so fucking arrogant of a movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it it's just a movie that that constantly is telling you how fucking kooky and fun and great it is. And it's just, I'm just a bit like, oh, fuck off. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. But, look, well, we'll see. I want female directors to be successful, damn it. Um, well, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more on the side of Greta Gerwig. So, there you go, but that's me. Uh, do you know what would right. be great? What I think would really help female directors, and I genuinely mean what I'm about to say, what would really help female directors, if there was more that didn't come from fucking super privileged backgrounds. I mean, you can say that about directors generally. And I would say that about directors generally. Do you know who's really fucking good? At, 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 at quietly making um, a lot of movies with female directors. Chris Pine. Yeah. Because he okay. actually came out, didn't he, and said that I think it was post Wonder Woman. He said that he wanted to work now with. Uh, he wanted to get an even. A, sort of an even level with. If he does two movies with male directors, he then wants to do two movies with female directors and continue doing that to just kind of to get a different experience going. And he's he's actually stuck to it. <laughs> I mean, he is the best Chris as well. That's the thing. Like, yeah, by an increasingly large margin. Yep. Yeah. And like I say, I'm yeah, very much looking fun. forward to Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm very much looking forward to Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Absolutely. Right, sorry, I'm just going to text um, Donna and ask her to ask Lottie to bring some beers up. <laughs> I didn't know that the, 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 the people behind the Dungeons & Dragons movie was the guys who did Date Night. Oh, no, 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 yeah. Game Night. Yeah. 
Uh, game night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, that's that's fucking exciting. That's fucking exciting. Um, okay. So trailers. There's been a few today. I haven't had the time to fucking watch them yet, though. Um. So. What have you got, Mark? Well, I. I started watching the All Quiet on the Western Front trailer. He started watching it. Yeah, and then I got bored. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just I nice. just went I got about forty five seconds into it and went I don't know why I need to watch a trailer for a fucking Netflix version of All Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> I just don't know why. I'll watch the movie at some point, but I don't need to watch the trailer. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Because I thought I, I know what happens in the trailer. <laughs> so I don't need to watch mm. it. Um, Armageddon, however, is a good... Armageddon time? Uh, Armageddon, sorry, time. Armageddon time, yeah, is a good, is a good trailer. Um, it gives, uh, the trailer gives this, like, really kind of, like, floaty, bouncy um, sort of vibe to it. And so I'm watching it going... Hang on a minute. That cast and it's James Gray and it feels a little bit like a, it's almost got a Linkler like vibe to it at the moment. And then there's a moment in the trailer where it basically Anne Hathaway tells her kid in it that he's not allowed to play with this other kid anymore. And he's like, why? And she's like, I think you know why. And the re- and then the the jaunty music that's going fucking cuts <laughs> and it becomes something else and it's because the kid's black and they literally tap the story is they take him out of oh, school shit. and put him in a different school because they don't want him hanging around with black kids <laughs> and it's that and really yeah and it, it, it's the kid oh, kind wow. of not understanding why um, that all this you know that why he's not allowed to and then it's um, Hopkins has got a scene in the trailer that just looks fucking great. And I was like going, do you know what? You've always got me at James Gray. Because although I don't always like his films, they're always interesting, at least. Um, But yeah, this looks like it could be... It it could be quite a bit of a tell-off watch, but a good watch. Lots. Has this come from the freezer? Um, they're They're in the freezer. They're in the bottom shelf of the freezer. No, 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 it's okay. But are you right to do that? Is that okay? Yeah, okay, thanks, babe. She's get she's getting fifty P for the, the the beers, so um don't feel too bad for her folks. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. Um Yeah. Good old James Gray. Um has there been anything else? Uh, the Dead for a Dollar trailer. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's a good, it's a good trailer. Yeah. Um, it, it looks more fun than I think I was expecting. Defoe looks like he's having a good time. Yes. Yeah, he does. He does. It's nice to see Waltz in a western again. So. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and the, the, the great thing about Walter Hill is is his thing of. All my films are westerns, just they're not all set in the West. 
it, it, but he's actually yeah. gone back to the West. And let's like say he, he's got a good cast there. Um, I I don't think in cinema we've had enough Benjamin Bratt either. No, he does feel like one who's been a little bit stolen away, doesn't yeah. he? It's like he's in the MCU, but he's a two-scene character in Doctor Strange. Yeah, and he's, um, he's a charismatic he's... fucker as well on screen. I, and I think he's got he's got more charismatic as he's got older. But mm. his star has kind of waned a little bit, so he isn't getting as much out there. Well, no, I mean, that's it. It's like he's getting distinguished with age. It's like I watched Tim Roth in She-Hulk, and that guy increasingly looks like a wet bag. Um, <laughs> but he kind, he kind of owns it, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. B- Benjamin Bratt. Um, oh, uh, thank you, darling. Thank you very much. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Sorry? Cold, uh, yeah, they're cold, I know. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Benjamin Bratt, it's like that dude is kind of getting more attractive and, and yet, you know, his biggest role in the last few years is probably replacing Al Pacino in the Despicable Me sequel. <laughs> probably. How old is Benjamin Bratt? Mid-50s. 58. 58, yeah. 58, fair fucking play. But he posted a picture on his Instagram today of him, Christoph Waltz, um, Willem Dafoe, I can't remember the lead lead, uh, girl, uh, Rachel Blossom, I think think her name is. Uh, Uh, Yeah, yeah, the the marvellous Mrs. Maisel herself. Oh, is that her? Is is that what she's from? Yeah. Uh, TV, you see? I believe so. Um, I think so. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Walter Hill. And I thought, fucking hell, Walter Hill looks good (laughs) for 80 fucking years old. Hang on, let me me just check if Mrs. Maisel is marvellous. Hang on. Don! Don! Is Mrs. Maisel marvellous or fantastic? She is marvellous. All right, thanks. There you go. Yeah, she's marvellous. Nice. Yeah. So, while Bex isn't here, shall we talk about some what we've been watching? Yeah, let's let's, let's talk about what we've been watching. What have you been watching? Oh, you're going to me. All right. Am I I doing this now? Yes, let's go. Yeah, okay. All right, so... Um, Blackbird was not playing many places, but God bless my beloved showcase. The nearest cinema to me was showing Blackbird four times a day, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, I, so I love that it's fucking. I, it's four times a day. <laughs> I rushed out of the house after finishing work on Friday. To go see Blackbird. Showcase gave me a free ticket. Because I'd been to Showcase a few times over the summer. They just emailed me and were like, here's a promo code. God bless Showcase, seriously. So, didn't cost me anything to see Blackbird. Um, Flatley's got loads of money. (laughs) Yeah, he has. I walked in. There were two people towards the back. Who looked very frail. And it was me and them for the whole thing. So, Blackbird. Um, so at the start, 
you see that uh, Flatley, who's playing Victor Blackley, um, he is mourning the death of his wife uh, in a funeral scene where the rain appears to be sprinklers just above them and it's going in different directions like sprinklers do. Can I can I hazard a guess that Michael Flatley is mourning the death of his wife by drinking and having sex with attractive women? No, is he not? he's very much not. That surprises me. He's very much not. Yeah, no. Um, it then cuts to years later, and he owns a bar, which I think is also a hotel uh, called the Blue Moon, and. Um, one like one of the like the operatives that he worked with is working with him there. Um, actually, a couple are, um, and they sing and dance the night away. And there's a singer who works there who is she's got to be forty years younger than Michael Flatley, or thirty years younger at the very least, and is really into him. Of course, really, really into him, um, and he just he just can't do it. He can't do it. Now at the funeral, there is a woman there who looks longingly at him while he's mourning the death of his wife. And these few years later in the Caribbean, she rocks up at his hotel, not knowing it's owned by him, with none other than Eric Roberts. Oh, of course, Eric Roberts is in that. Yeah. So, uh, they are together. Eric Roberts doesn't know who Michael Flatley is, vice versa. Um, does it, they, Neither of the guys know that they were involved with her or anything like that. Um, there is an incredible fucking scene where people are watching the singer and it's panning around the, the, the bar area. And Michael Flatley like, picks her up out of her seat, dances with her, while Eric Roberts is watching the singer. They have a really close dance, and then he just puts her back. And I swear to God, I thought Eric Roberts was just going to like lean into her and go, who the fuck's that? <laughs> and he doesn't. Um, there... There is a scene in this film. So Michael Flatley, in every single fucking scene in this film, he's wearing a hat at an angle. And there is a scene where he walks out the hotel and his assistant, who also was an operative with him, hands him another hat. (laughs) It's like his driving hat or something. So the plot, he's this hotel guy who was an ex-secret like, operative, Eric Roberts is arranging the sale of a... Oh, God, it's... Um... Oh, that's it. It's the like the blueprints for a medical... Like, a pill or something, which can boost your immune system, but if part of it is changed, then it completely wrecked your immune system, and he's like selling it on the black market or some shit. And um, Michael Flatley has to stop him? Question mark. <laughs> um, it, it's 
scenes and scenes of Michael Flatley like having women come on to him and him go, no, I can't. Um, people talk at him about how he needs to get back in the game. No, I can't. And then he has this casino, like this fucking cards scene with Eric Roberts where the Empire podcast has got an amazing interview with fucking Michael Flatley. Where Flatley himself is saying, we were doing this at three o'clock in the morning and we were struggling to remember our lines, like laughing about it. Because he's just like, it's a miracle this film even got made. I'm so happy it got made. He knows it's shit and he knows that people hate it. And he's just having, like, he's just like saying, we had a great time. And literally, it looks like he's going to fucking fall asleep saying his lines. And yeah, Eric Roberts is going for it. He is. I'm not going to say he's giving a shit, but he's having a crack. Roberts, I, I, even in like the, the 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 absolute sort of the 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 weird dregs that he does, he still fucking gives it his all. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's he's turning up. That's the thing. The action in this film is there is a scene where Michael Flatley punches someone three times and kills him. Um, there is a, a late on scene where Michael Flatley is taken away by some heavies and Eric Roberts is like, well, that'll be the last we see of him. And then you just hear like punching and then Michael Flatley walks out with a shirt covered in blood. And can I maybe... Can I spoil, spoil it? Moment? Spoil, spoil. Oh, yeah, all right. In that scene, it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and people are getting their guns out. And then Michael Flatley just looks at Eric Roberts and goes, shall we dance? And then it cuts to a bird's eye view of Michael Flatley and friend shooting people with Michael Flatley literally having his arms directly stuck to his chest almost going pew 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 (laughs) a bird's eye view for about three seconds and then it cuts and that's the end that's the end of the scene Uh, it sounds fucking brilliant (laughs) it the thing is it's never ever boring because it's just full of fucking baffling decisions um and it's michael flatley fair play gainfully employing people yeah and paying for it all um and it's absolutely a vanity project but it's just one of those things where it's like you know what you've got the money you've got to live out some sort of fantasy and good on you yeah you know it is it is one of the worst films i'll see this year but i can't say i hate it it's just a bad film (laughs) that's it like you say you know the guy um is incredibly wealthy because he you know because of, of river dance and lord of the dance um, and their popularity in the 
mid to late nineties, um, and made a shitload of money. He can't dance anymore, so why not just fucking let him do whatever he wants? <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, like he's self like if he self financed it. If he's not taking any money off of people, no, he self financed it. You know, then I, I don't know. It's like people were employed for a month. I, 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 and honestly, I know that sounds like stupid, but I, I don't know. It's like if it's not none of Blackbird's not hurting anyone. Nope. Like that. That's and it's not trying to say anything. It is just a guy spending money, having fun, and and I, I think listening to him talk about it has made me more comfortable with the idea that he knows people are going to fuck it, are going to poo-poo it, you know, and, like, he he knows what he's made. He knows he hasn't made art. And if he's not... If he hasn't lost anybody other than himself money and he's still happy about it, fair fucking play. It's a stupid film. And, I, I, I mean, borderline incompetent. I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's just staggering, like how boring the plot is. Just in terms, of nothing happens. Because you look, nothing fucking happens. You know, he's written a, a second and hasn't ruled out the idea of actually making it. And I'd watch it. <laughs> I'd watch it. Like I, it's. I d- yeah, I don't know. There's something. There's something about it where it's just like rich man playing with toys, and like I. And it, it, the thing. The thing is, he obviously. He's. The, I don't. He's not trying to make himself look sexy. The women in the film think he's sexy, but he knows that he can't be fucking doing Daniel Craig and Casino Royale coming out the ocean. Like there, 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 there is an awareness of that, but at the same time, seriously, there is a scene where this young club singer girl walks into his room, just fucking strips off in front of him, and he's just like, "No, I can't," <laughs> you know, and it, it, and she just looks really upset, and it just like, I really want to just have a conversation with her and just check that everything's okay, <laughs> but it, like I say. It, I mean, it's about 80 minutes long. It's really short. And it, it just... Will I ever watch it again? Probably not. But I... <laughs> there's a, there's a, would there's I give a, it one is... out of five? Yeah, but it's it's Blackbird. The thing is there, you're like, I probably won't watch it. Which means that you might. <laughs> I don't know. Just as a fucking, like... Do I, I just want to check again how fucking weird like just it's all just off and it it just it feels too big budget to be like a student film but amateurish and it's a very very weird dichotomy that only happens when a rich man self-finances a film (laughs) yep and that's rare it'd be like elon musk mate making a fucking like doing a fucking mr burns at the film festival (laughs) 
Which, yeah, Elon Musk remake in 2001. <laughs> or so, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it's like that. It's just like Michael Flatley likes Bond films, has a hundredth of the budget, and has tried to make one. Yep. I, 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 I yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, honestly, I'm not even, it's just, I'm, I don't hate it, but it is a one out of five. It's Blackbird. It's just this. It's almost like a rating in itself. Because <laughs> it's like one out of five, but I feel bad saying it's one of the worst films of the year. But it is. But it's Blackbird. I'm looking forward to you watching it, Mark. I can't wait. It, honestly, it's just that it's a 200 mile round trip. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I mean, like it, it's, it was probably like a five mile round trip for me, so I, I, I understand. Um, yeah, Blackbird, nothing quite like it. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's that. There is that. Um, uh, uh, fucking sorry, reshuffle stuff taking my eye there. Um. So, oh, um, so I watched a film that uh, Mark basically said don't watch last week. <laughs> so Donna said, oh, um, our friend Lara uh, texted her about a good film on Netflix that uh, Don should watch. And she was like, do you know this? How do you know? I was like, okay kind of feels like i have to watch it considering mark only talked about it on the podcast like three days yeah, that, that, that feels like some kind of weird fucking planets aligning shit <laughs> yeah but like why though um so yeah that film cost 120 million dollars <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> it cost it cost 120 it's... million dollars and they paid Hans zimmer to just not even write a score <laughs> No, no, quite. It's the energy of that film is so fucking weird. Like that film does not know what it wants to be. I, I honestly, I thought the best ending would be for Reese Witherspoon to just walk off by herself and just not need men. <laughs> oh fucking hell! I don't know. I think you said it all last week, but Jesus Christ, how do you know? It, it's just. And, and, do you see what I mean about the Jack Nicholson thing? And that all he does is walks into a room, smiles, and then starts shouting. Yeah, I mean, the when he fucking walked in, they make it seem like for a second that he's the, the baby daddy. <laughs> like I actually said out loud, "Fuck off," <laughs> you know. And then it. But the, the good thing about the film actually is it does is it does kind of call back to it. Going, did you think I was the dad when I walked in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like, why is he there? Because she works for the company and he's just like, it's a thing. I know she works for the company, but it's like, he doesn't really, it's not like he knows her very well. No. <laughs> I don't, baffling. And just like Owen Wilson's character, I did like Owen Wilson's character right at the start. Is like, yeah, I basically have a goodie bag for the women. I fuck, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it's, 
God, he's, no, when, I mean, he, like, when he makes the like, room for any piss, he takes out like sweaters out of his drawer. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, but like almost. I wish that Owen Wilson's character was like or continued just being unapologetic. Yeah. Like, this is me. You're attracted to me. I'm attracted to you. I'm awful, you know I'm awful, but you're coming back to me anyway. But instead, it's just like, they have an argument, she leaves, goes to Paul Rudd, Owen Wilson calls, oh, I've just had I've a bit of a realisation. Oh, okay, I'll come back to you. They must do that like five times yeah. during the course of two hours. Yep. It's, it, it, it's painful <laughs> how dull this film gets. It's fuck it, it baffling film. Just such an odd energy to that thing, and like just the fact that James L. Brooks started out researching like um, softball players, and like he wanted to make a film about a female sports star, and then he got interested in executives basically getting bodied by their companies for things that they're not even aware of. Post financial crisis, <laughs> I b- mental film, just in insane film. Yeah. Um. Okay, I've actually got a few more, but I feel like maybe um maybe I'll stop and uh go to you guys and come back maybe. All right. Yeah. Well, Bix still isn't back, so I'll just go through. Uh, I've only watched one on my own this week. Um, okay. But it's a film that I I, I go back to. Semi regularly, I would say. So I rewatched the uh, David Gordon Green film *The Sitter*. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just because it's well, it's like eighty minutes long, which is just the perfect length for a film like this. It's basically a one crazy night movie, but. It's got Jonah Hill being really quite good in it. The you know the bit where he he works out that Max Records. Do you remember when Max Records was going to be like a really big thing, <laughs> and then he just and he was in two things. Yeah, and he just wasn't mm. <laughs> like at all. Mm. Um, the conversation he has with Max Records about essentially Max Records being gay is brilliant. It's a really well done kind of back and forth of him kind of sort of saying, look, you're going to be fine. Well, actually, no. It's going to be a bit shit. <laughs> but then it's going to get fine. And it's very similar to the one in Demolition um, that Jake Gyllenhaal is with the kid in that, uh, where it, it, it's very similar to that, but in a slightly different energy. And you've got, like, this essentially soft adventures in babysitting rip-off element to it. Mm. But then you throw in Sam Rockwell and J.B. Smooth. <laughs> of Rockwell in full Rockwell mode. Um, just like really fucking liking him. And constantly referring to him by his full name. Constantly referring to him as Noah Griffin. <laughs> and then just bumping him up his best friend list. is <laughs> just... It's fucking brilliant. You know, Rockwell got, and deservedly so, got an Academy Award recently for a film that we mentioned earlier. Um, but 
I, I genuinely think you could take any Sam Rockwell film and convince me that he should have got an Academy Award for it, and I wouldn't be. A, I would be like, yeah, that's fine. I'm all right with that. Even things like The Sitter probably deserves an Academy Award because he's just fucking brilliant in it. Even at the ending bit where you've got the entire gang essentially come to start beating him up, and, he, and he's sort of looking around at them all, going, "All right, fucking let's do this." <laughs> just the energy he's got for it. Is just glorious. It's a great fucking um, old school hip hop soundtrack. Um, just John Hill just running through it, but without ever, without ever sort of taking the essentially playing a weird straight man, which you're not used to from Jonah Hill, and letting everything yeah. else be crazy around him, and him just kind of going along with the crazy. It's. It's a really good time. It's actually on um, Disney Plus as well, I think. Uh, and I, did, I yeah, that would make yeah, sense. I do think that the sitter needs to have a little bit of a reevaluation because it, it it should be sort of I I think it should be up there being talked about amongst films like like the way that people talk about Superbad and things like that. It, it's fucking brilliant as just this. Really odd little movie that I I, I think is just 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 adore how just fucking weird it is. I need to rewatch that. I, I've only I've only seen it the once. Um, God, David Golden Green's career is fascinating. Yeah, honestly, it's let's say it's it's eighty minutes long, so it's about seventy five minutes before credits. So you know that there's yeah, okay, episodes of TV idea. shows nowadays that are fucking short that are longer than this movie. And oh, mate, I 100 percent think that like the last episode of Stranger Things will probably be longer than The Irishman. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> It'll be longer than the first season of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a fucking. It, it, it's just a good time. It, it's it's a film that I can watch every two years and be like, yeah, I'm I'm good with watching that every two years. Nice. Um, fuck it, I'll do this one. I think Bet is literally getting home now, but I'll delve into this one because I'm not even too sure if she actually. <laughs> Her response to this movie was, "Yeah, it was all right," <laughs> which is the most okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to not be too spoilery on this. Uh, Fall, which we were going to cover, weren't we? But you've got yeah. to get to it. Um, now, I really liked Fall. Um, premise, basically, is imagine the descent, but it's going up things rather than down into things. It's kind of like that. Um, so I think I can spoil the opening for you like the opening scene because I haven't seen the trailer and it might already spoil it in the trailer Uh, feel free to all spoilers all the time I'll I'll watch Fall at some point but it's not one where I'm going to be particularly bothered so if if there's stuff you want to say say it so it's essentially the main two characters are a character called Becky and Hunter um they, at the start of the movie, are um, climbing a big fucking rock face um, with Becky's husband. Um, Becky's husband falls and dies, and then we flash forward 51 weeks into the future, where 
Becky's life has essentially crumbled into um, what what the movie kind of hints at is that she's essentially a drunk that doesn't do anything because she's just got a full grief mode. Um, so Hunter basically wants to get out of this, so says, look, I want you to come and I want you to climb up this um, essentially 2,000 foot uh, TV tower in the desert. Uh, and of course she goes, no, 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 no. And then he goes, all right then. Um, so they go and Hunter is like, she was also climbing the rock face at the same time as Becky and um, her husband. Um, so was there when he died. But she's like this daredevil on the internet and does like all of these things. So it's, it's kind of like, it's like that. Um, and so about sort of 10 minutes into the movie. Because what I will say is, the movie's too long. This movie should be 95 minutes, including credits maximum. And it's... How long is it? It's, it's an hour 45. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you, you could lose 10 minutes, and you could lose 10 minutes out of this movie. Um, possibly, like, three or four minutes before they even get to the tower... And then three or four minutes at the tower. Um, it's there. So, but what Scott Mann does really well is once they get to the tower and they start climbing it, he, cause it, it's really simple. It's two people up a big fucking pole. But he gets the, he manages to show you the ridiculousness of how fucking high this fucking thing is by showing you or comparing it to things you would know. So, like, one of the characters turns around and says... Because, it, it effectively, the first, like, bit of it is a ladder that is inside the inside of the tower. And then the next 200 foot is outside the ladder. Um, and so there's, it gets it going, like, at one point they stop to a break, and one of the characters turns around and goes, Ooh... What, 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 how many feet up are we now? And she goes, Oh, we're blind. She goes, Oh, you do realize that that's the same height as the um, fuck Eiffel Tower. Um, it's like, Holy shit, and there's, there's bits like that, but it's just it is really like unnerving. You watch it going, But more now, why would you do this? <laughs> like, why would you do this? I don't understand it, mm. kind of vibe to it. And then they end up getting stuck because part of the ladder essentially that attaches the bit that's outside rather than inside just falls off. And so they're stuck on this tiny little platform with no way of contacting anybody because they're above where you will get cell signal. Um, and yeah, that that's kind of the next half of the movie is... How the fuck do we get down? Or how the fuck do we get in contact with people? And it's just that. But with other bits added to it as well. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's ten minutes too long. But it is... It is fucking unnerving. For all the right reasons. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what I would say is... Get to it. Don't necessarily fucking absolutely rush to it, but get to it at, at some point because it is it's it's worth yeah, yeah, it's one yeah. of those it's worth a watch. Um, 
I I can see why some people have gone fucking five out of five, fucking great, loved it. And I can see why some people have gone not quite getting what people think is awesome about it. I think if it gets you, it gets you and you'll you'll go along with it. But yeah, it, it's it's I can see why it played well at Fright Fest. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, also as well, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is literally in the first, like, he's in one scene for like two or three minutes. <laughs> That's it. And I bet he got paid a cool hundred grand. Probably, yeah. Um, Scott Mann's a good director, though. Very good director. Fair play. Um, we also uh, rewatched for me, it was a first watch for Becky, uh, The Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, because Bex read it a few <laughs> about a month or so ago, and it's like you've seen the film. She's like, they made a film, and yeah, they made a film with mm. Val Kilmer, Marlon Brando, David Thewlis, and Ferris Bilk. It's, it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, mm. like that sounds mental. It's like, oh, oh, that's the tip of the iceberg about what's mental with that film. <laughs> Um, mm. The Island of Dots Moreau is fucking bonkers. Um, I, there's a. I, 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 you have seen this, I think we discussed it before. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Brando with the the, the, the the fucking the hat thing that he wears that you have to pour ice into to keep his head cool. <laughs> it's just fucking brilliant. But then when you realise that the reasoning for why Brando wanted that is because he liked the idea that that, that maybe he was like a dolphin <laughs> and it was to keep his blowhole hydrated. Mm. <laughs> it's just... All right, Brando, fair enough. And the fact that Val Kilmer seems to have, like, like halfway through, decided to just not give a shit but so visually not give a shit that for the second half of the movie, he's just doing a weird Brando impression, but not even a Brando from this movie impression. Because Brando's doing a British accent in this. Instead, he's doing a Brando Godfather impression. For no reason. Mm. Makes no sense. And then once you've watched, watched Lost Souls, you can't not see Richard Stanley in the background as an extra, like multiple times. Yeah, it's oh man, the Island Dots Moreau is it, it's bonkers. I actually really fucking enjoyed rewatching it. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to rewatch it, but I am glad you did. It it does. It feels like some Mark energy. Yeah. I've got to say. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm going to watch Lost Soul and I'm going to watch Val as well um, at some point. But yeah, the fucking mm-hmm. honestly, Kilmer just doing fucking Godfather Brando impressions for the, for the entire second half of the film. It's just such a great energy, and apparently the reason was that he just didn't like Frankenheimer. <laughs> Fucking Frankenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> nice. 
Nice, good watch. Yeah. Um, right, the final one uh, that I've watched. Um, Infinity War. Uh, I, I decided to duck in nice. on Becky's um, continued uh, trawl through the, the the Marvel movies that she's doing. And so I watched. I said I'd watch Infinity War and I'll watch Endgame with her. Um, yeah. Infinity War is very good. It is very good. And I, I, I still, I'm going to rewatch Endgame, but I still do think it's better than Endgame. But. The bits where it is Thanos and uh, Gamora are just boring. They're just really, really boring. You've got you've got this essentially this weird kind of reverse heist movie where they've got to get all of the things which I realise now when I'm looking back at, at Endgame that they're, they're essentially doing the same thing in Endgame which is making me really worry about rewatching Endgame but yeah it's and then it keeps stopping to try and almost make you feel something for Thanos. And it's just boring. It's about 20 odd minutes of a, you know, an, a, a two and a half hour movie that, yes, you need in there, but it's boring. And it it is getting to the point now where, like, I will never watch the Lord of the Rings movies again because I enjoyed them at the time and I tried to rewatch them four or five years ago and got like 40 minutes into the Fellowship of the Rings, the first one, isn't it? Um, and that's sort of Becky and say, I- I'm going to stop now. I'm, I'm going to go do anything else because I am so bored. Mm. And... Like it was like the the thought of having to watch another two hours of that was just like I can't do it I can't do it and I'm getting a little bit like that even with we watches now like I would never rewatch also the, the the Harry Potter movies I'm glad people do and I think it's great that people get enjoyment out of them same for Lord of the Rings but if I go back now and try to rewatch a Harry Potter movie I'm just bored and I'm getting a little bit like that with the Marvel movies where I just find them a little bit. Dull. <laughs> I find rewatches more and more difficult. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know why that is. But I think we said before, like there was a question that we had a while back about like what what's a comfort movie for you? And I was like, I don't really have any. And it's like I've got films that I'll like Christmas movies. Yeah. Like Die Hard, I will basically watch every year, but it helps that Die Hard is like one of the greatest action films ever made. Yeah, and the thing is, the so thing is that... I don't think you, I don't, I don't almost count like, Christmas watches as rewatches. I count them as part of the yeah, holiday yeah, yeah. season. They're tradition watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. That's a really good way of putting it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's like Sunshine. I haven't watched Sunshine. I don't know, maybe, maybe like six or seven years. When we, 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 you know, we watched it for the show for some reason, didn't we? 
Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it was like we like finally reviewed it or something. So, um, and yeah, I, I, you know, like Blade Runner and Alien. I, but then again, Scrooged is one of my favorite films of all time, and I watch that fucker every year. Uh, but again, because it's a Christmas movie, and it just like you say, it's part of the tradition. That, that's it. I, um, I think genuinely, I think the last time I watched. Um, Apocalypse Now, which is my favourite movie of all time, and I have it on 4K uh, iTunes. The last time, and I, I, I have it on like the, the big Blu-ray bit, but the last time I watched that was at the cinema about eight years ago. Do you know, the last three times I, I watched wonder, Apocalypse Now was at the cinema. <laughs> I wonder if that's a symptom of having a digital film collection where you're not seeing these things on your shelf and going I oh shit I want to watch that or like just even subconsciously seeing it there and thinking oh I need I'm, I'm going to rewatch that at some point I think there is, there is uh, an element of, of that I think there's an element I think with myself that I'm I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that um, that I only get a certain amount of time to watch movies and so I can't mm. just keep watching the same movies <laughs> I need to start watching other movies or watching movies that I've maybe seen once and I want to rewatch, not movies that I've seen seven times and want to rewatch. No, quite. And it, it's, I don't know, it's interesting. It's, um, I feel like Maverick is going to be a comfort watch for me going forward. But that makes um, sense. Much in the same way that weirdly Tenet is. I've seen Tenet three or four times now, and it came out two years ago. And there's just, and I think I, I like I just, it, it's a, almost like sense memory. So like Tenet was the first big film post COVID. Did it make like the money it was supposed to? No, but and did I like it the first time round? No, because I watched it in completely the wrong fucking situation, front row and of I of an IMAX. But since then, it's just like I associate it with a sense that things were going to be okay during COVID. And with Top Gun Maverick, that was a sense that things are going to be okay post-COVID. And the second time round with Maverick, like I said when I talked about it um, a few weeks back, every fucking person was smiling walking out of that cinema. Yep. You know, so it, it. I feel like it's almost Maverick is fused into my mind as like if you want happy feeling, watch this. You know, as primal as that is, um, and it's like I fucking love Sunshine, but happy feeling that film doesn't necessarily provoke. It's interesting, yeah. It's interesting that, Mark. But you do, you do rewatch a lot of shit as well, yeah. though, which is just the, the wonderful part of your personality. Yeah, that that that's it. I have, like I said, the last three times I've, I I have probably watched since I last watched Apocalypse Now, my favorite movie of all time. I think I've probably watched Hot Tub Time Machine like eight or nine times. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, I really admit I'm an idiot. <laughs> Becky's looking at me with a face of, because she just got back, of, yeah, you are a fucking idiot. 
You're right, Bex. Not quite headphoned up yet, eh, Bex? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, should we bounce back to me, then bounce to yes, Bex? Yes, we'll do that. Okay. So, um, I rewatched Harry Potter in the Philosopher's Stone. There you go, you're talking about not rewatching Harry Potter films. <laughs> I, 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 I was just saying, thinking, I'm pretty sure you watched the Harry Potter movie this week. <laughs> yeah, so the reason why I didn't see Fall is basically we've had a bit of a mission lately where we, you know, we're going to Florida in a couple of weeks and the, the wizarding world of Harry Potter is there. And we've been saying to, uh, to Lottie for months that. Please watch a Harry Potter film because then you will understand what is going on in this entire section in Universal Studios. <laughs> yeah. And Lots um, is ambivalent about films, as I think I've spoken about before. So we um, convinced her, bought some microwave popcorn. And was like, look, we're just going to put it on, see how you go. And she watched the whole thing. A couple of breaks, we're like going to the toilet and whatnot, but watched the whole thing. Asked a few questions through it and whatnot, but was like into it. So, mission successful. Nice. And the, 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 the thing about Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is that that film, Chris Columbus does an, an amazing job with world building. Um, and, you know, you've got production value up the wazzy. You've got John Williams just doing an absolute banger score. You know, I mean, obviously he's most associated with Spielberg, at least to our generation, and Lucas. Mm. But that Harry Potter theme... It like is probably the one that the generations below us would most associate John Williams. Oh, for with. sure, yeah. You know, and and he like the the I, I think he scored the first two, and then moved on. I want to say, and the work that he did there to establish those themes, it, it it it's it's incredible. I mean, it is a fully realized world from this film. Is it a perfect film? God, no. God, no. But it's one that, for younger audiences, it just does absolutely transport you to another world. Um, and I, the, the the performances... I mean, I think Daniel Radcliffe is actually all right in it. Emma Watson is giving some fucking grade-A skate stage school kid stuff in that film um but it kind of works in the way that she's playing this like upper self know it all like it, it that acts that kind of the theatrical drama kid kind of energy kind of works for that weirdly in this role um it's very long yeah that's very that is, long. that is a criticism i think of all of them Mm, mm. But I, um, yeah, I, I, I quite liked it, and I, I, I'm, I am up for doing a Harry Potter rewatch because it's been forever since I last watched them all. Um, like Azkaban, I think I've maybe only watched them once. You watched them 
fairly regularly, don't you, Bex? Yeah, I mean, me and Isabel usually watch them around Christmas time, but we haven't the last couple of Christmases. They've kind of, I don't know, lost their shine a little bit. Because of Tolkien and the Turf War? Because the rowling rowling of the the Turf War, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Such a shame. Ruins it a bit. And the first few are still fairly watchable, but the the later ones that that are a bit more serious just feel a bit like a bit of a slog now. Oh, you mean Deathly Hallows Part 1, the film where they just camp and be miserable for two and a half hours? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Mike. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Mike really likes Deathly Hallows Part 1. See, I quite like Deathly Hallows Part 1. I did at first, but I don't don't think it's got... It's not got the rewatch value because it doesn't have the... Like, that, that kind of... Like watching them around Christmas, it's because like at least the first few are really quite like magical and like whimsical and fun, and then the later ones not so much. Although I did like it when Dobby died. All right, which one's he dying? I don't know. Whichever one it is, I like that bit. It's like the last one, isn't it? All right, is it is is annoying as fuck. Yeah, I've got him coming up in the next one. But I, this is the thing. Do I think that Lots is going to watch all of them at this point? Probably not. But she's going to know what Diagonal Alley is. <laughs> and she's going to know what Hogwarts is. So that'll do. <laughs> Baby steps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, couple others for me. Um... Saturday morning at like 7am, I watched Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. <laughs> I like Tenacious D in the Pick of um, Destiny. It's a fucking fun movie. That film, yeah, that film's fun. Yeah, fun. Um, Master Exploder, that sequence, um, where Amy Adams is in it for five seconds as Gorgeous Woman. Um... <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I, just, yeah, Master Exploder rules, uh, the, uh, I do not need a microphone, uh, my voice is fucking powerful, um, it, yeah, great, really, really good cameos in it as well, actually, I forgot kind of, like, how many people are in that film, um, and it's just fun, it's weirdly innocent fun, like, there's loads of swearing and, like, boob jokes and things like that but i don't know it just feels like 12 year olds running around being funny dickheads and that's fine so yeah tenacious d in the pick of destiny i like it it's on amazon prime it's worth another go um and finally one of two stanley kubrick films i have never watched Ooh. i've never watched and will never watch lolita it's good I just don't need that in my life. The thing is, right, what I will say is, the Kubrick Lolita's not that icky. No, it's not. It's really not. If you want to watch an icky version, watch uh, the 97, 98 remake. That's the icky Lolita. Yeah, Udo Adrian Kier's, doing Lolita, nah. Uh, nah. In that one. That's how icky it is. Nope. Jeremy Irons. Fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I don't know, mate. I, I might watch that soon. 
may, may, I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind, but maybe, you know, probably not. But um, so I watched uh, Spartacus. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, a um, a full meal of a film. Um, three and a quarter hours long. Um, I watched half an hour one night and the remaining two and three quarter hours on the subsequent night. Um, I mean, that, that I mean, uh, the, the production value of that film is absolutely insane. Um, the score rules. The opening titles by Saul Bass are incredible. Um, it just... They don't make them like this anymore. And I'm kind of glad. Um, I don't need 10 minutes of Kirk Douglas looking at a woman and then her going away and him being sad. Um, the Roman politics of ha- uh, debates happening in the Senate and then... Um, Oh, do you know, uh, this person will be very, very good. Uh, Do you know him, Julius Caesar? It's like, and Julius Caesar is just like skulking in the background for the entire fucking thing. Like Kubrick's like sniggering, just going like, well, everybody knows what that's about. And I get that Kubrick like parachuted into production on this because the the original director got kicked out. But it just, it's, um, it's a lot of film. Mm. And Tony Curtis as like the entertainer um, who, uh, uh, I don't know, just has a weirdly very American accent for that <laughs> role. Um, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's just, it's a lot of film. I honestly can't say much more than that. It just, it smacks you in the face. Actually, I will say, Ridley Scott, I mean, Jesus Christ, he was taking a piss with some of the fucking direct lifts he did for Gladiator oh, yeah. out of this. I mean, I, I like, it was, wow-wee. Like, that, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, also, I, I, I didn't really know what the ending of Spartacus was. So, when it's like the, I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus, I thought that was going to be the end. And it goes on for another 25 <laughs> minutes. It's like, what's happening now? Yeah, it just keeps going. The film, the film does not want and, to and end. No, and it should end there. You know, they all claim that they're Spartacus. They all get hanged. It's a tragic ending. But you've got to have the Spartacus knows that his son will survive. So here's another twenty-five minutes. Um. Yeah, I, I I liked it. Like, look, four out of five. Like, it's a Spartacus, good movie. Is it all that jazz? No. Like, just in terms of like classic films that I watched for the first time, rankings for the year, all that jazz is just up, 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 and Spartacus not so much. It's but it looks yeah, great. The thing about Spartacus is, is you watch it going, yeah, it's good. But that's it. It's just a really well-made film. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was going to yep. be. There you go. Spartacus. I'm done. Bex. 
Yes. What have you been watching? The only film I've watched on my own was uh, I'm Man and the Wasp. I'm assuming you spoke about Infinity War. Yeah, but what were your Infinity War feelings? Yeah, it's it's very good. Um, I think you kind of pointed out it, it does bag does bag a little bit, um, which it does, but it is possibly the second best Marvel movie, I would say, for me. Um, but then Mark. That's the only one, obviously, that Mark's watched with me throughout my Marvel rewatch. So, um, I he then indicated that he wouldn't mind watching Endgame, maybe, possibly. So, I watched Ant Man and the Wasp and have Captain Marvel to watch before we can do that. So, Ant Man and the Wasp was a lot better than I remembered it being. Um, it's yeah, I think Ant Man feels a bit throwaway but Ant-Man and the Wasp I think has got more connective tissue to the main to the main arc um, which I don't know gives it a bit more weight I guess mm. um, but yeah re- really enjoyed it um, on rewatch so a bit oh, dubious about Captain Marvel <laughs> I think everybody's pretty dubious about Captain Marvel. Yeah. I don't know how that's... I didn't hold up great for me on first watch, so I don't know how it's going to hold up on rewatch. Hmm. Hmm. But we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm somewhat looking forward to a rewatch of Captain Marvel just to kind of get my thoughts. Like, Ben Mendelsohn's always good value. That's the thing. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, she's just really fucking irritating. Mm. Um, and that's it, that's all I've watched on my own. So, um, <laughs> what have you guys Captain been watching Marvel together? Thing? Yeah. Have we spoken yeah. about the fact that, that that everybody just kind of wants to like accept the fact that this code doesn't exist anymore? <laughs> <laughs> mm. It's like, Captain Marvel 2 will come out and everyone will go, Who? Yeah, it was a bit everywhere and then nowhere, wasn't it? It's made no real impression. No, it's it's not left a mark at all, is mm. it? Then she's in Endgame, so... Yeah, but she's kind of... It's almost like they all went, oh, God, she's such a twat during Endgame. <laughs> like, they didn't like her. <laughs> no. Well, it's 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 interesting that the next one is The Marvels. Yes. Yeah. And it's her... And the daughter from Captain Marvel grown up and Miss Marvel. Mm. And Miss Marvel, like, okay, fine, she was in the TV show, but she's really, really fun. Everyone I know who's watched Miss Marvel has said the same thing. Mm. Is that she's a good time. Massive, massive potential for upstaging Captain Marvel in the Marvels. But I do wonder whether a, a Brie uh, Larson would just be like, yeah, fine, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. Do you know how much money I lost in NFTs? <laughs> oh, God, I hope she lost a lot. Just... I hope everybody you invested in NFTs who were, were doing it because they're celebrities lost a lot of money, to be clear. Yep. That was a weird time, wasn't it? it... Whereas, like, here's a picture of an ape. It's worth $50,000. Yeah. But, but you don't own the picture. 
you don't actually physically get anything. You just get a receipt for it. <laughs> an electronic receipt. It's just... How fucking stupid are people? It's, it, 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 it's so dumb that even The Simpsons didn't predict it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that everything you've watched then? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of sort of get the blockchain. But to the extent where it's like, okay, it's the simulation just not making that much of an effort. <laughs> yep. CS3P Combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Round one. Fight. Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two, fight! You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I just, just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? Um, hey, Hannah, you know, I think you really can't be a good rewatch of a TV show. Would you agree with that, love? Oh, yes, I would. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think during, you know, global pandemics, storms, all of these things, it's quite nice to just sit down and burn through something that you've seen a million Absolutely times. Absolutely nothing like a binge watch. Star Trek. Babylon 5. Because you could sit there for hours looking at serial killer documentaries. Absolutely. Uh, that Netflix. doesn't make you a weird person uh, at all. It doesn't. Yeah, you could watch documentaries that all seem to be about women killing men. Love you, darling. You could put off watching Daredevil for the 30th time. Harry Potter. But really, you can't be immersing yourself in the warm jumper of a rewatch of a show of or a, a franchise. beloved franchise. A beloved franchise. Lord of the Rings. Twin Peaks. From VHS compilations recorded off television with the ad breaks, cut out of course, to DVD box sets of Sex in the City and, I don't know, Smallville. <laughs> Farscape. Quantum Leap. To giving up finding new content on Netflix and just having a comfort trawl through Star Trek The Next Generation or... Parks and Recreation. I think that we can all agree... There's a lot to be said for that. You can't beat a good rewatch. So, with that in mind, join... Anna. And Mike from Chinstroke vs. Panzer as we burn through some of our favourite franchises and share our immediate reactions to each instalment in both spoiler and non-spoiler sections. To do that, do a search for The Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever your favourite podcast provider may be, or go directly to anchor.fm forward slash rewatch project. We are proud members of the Pod Syndicate family of podcasts. Our main review of the week, which is almost the last bit of the main show this week, is... 3,000 Years of Longing, directed by George Miller and yeah, essentially starring Idris Elba, Tilda Swinton and some bathrobes. 
So, um, 3,000 Years of Longing is a film that uh, George Miller has been trying to make for about 20 years. And uh, basically concerns a uh, narratologist, played by Tilda Swinton, uh, who is attending a conference in Istanbul and uh, finds what turns out to essentially be a magic lamp. Uh, and out of that pops the djinn, played by um, Idris Elba, who essentially is kind of trying to get her to make free wishes. And she is saying, I know how these fucking stories go. There's always a trick to them. And then he basically tells her a bit about his many thousands of years uh, to try and convince her that um, he's not up to tricks. That I, I think that kind yeah. of surmises it. So, yeah, here we go. 3,000 Years of Longing. Uh, George Miller's first film since Mad Max Fury Road. Um, definitely a one for him, oh. I think it's fair to oh, say. Oh, very much so, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, Bex, uh, what did you make of 3,000 Years of Longing? Well, I was really dubious about this one because I, I think I said last week, I'm not particularly keen on either of the main stars. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really fucking enjoyed this. I thought it was really good. Um, it is relatively low energy for the actual like present day stuff because they're just sat in a room talking um but the story bits it, it gave me real like the fall vibes and i'm a big fan of the fall so um yeah i like the the structure of it showing the the stories in flashback and stuff and i thought the stories were really interesting i thought it looked beautiful um and i also really I thought their chemistry together was really, really good. Um, it really, really took me by surprise, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair. And, uh, Mark? I was, I was really looking forward to this for the simple fact that I was going to see a new George Miller film. Um, and he's just such an interesting filmmaker that it's just like, right, this is a one for him. So what? What's he gonna do? What is what is the interest that he's got for it? Um, and so, but yeah, I, I find Tilda Swinton. I find Tilda Swinton when she's doing that voice that she's decided to do in films because she's done it in a few, hasn't she? It's the same voice she uses in. Sure. Um, Oh, what is it called? Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. That's the one. Uh, I'm just a normal person with a regional accent. Yeah, it's it's her regional accent voice. Yeah. And so I was a little bit worried about that. Um, And I like Idris Elba, but Idris Elba is sometimes not as good an actor as he can be. No, very often he's he's Idris Elba is Idris Elba in. Yes. But the thing is, Idris Elba first came to prominence in The Wire, where he's very much not Idris Elba in it. Mm. Um, so I was a little bit worried. And then, um, yeah, I like the fact that the majority of the film uh, is just 
Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton talking in a <laughs> in a hotel room in bathrobes. I really like that. The film is is at its best when it's just them two bouncing off each other. Yeah, yeah. The the interludes, the, the the little stories that he's telling, um, are are fun and they're. Miller is very clever in the fact that um, there's no score when they're talking in the hotel room. Mm. There's no score behind it. But then when he's telling a story, there's a big score there. Yeah. And then once she makes her first wish, there becomes a score. And then they get back to London, there's a score. And then when she tells him to go, there's no score again. But then the end has a score back again. Mm. So it's Miller being a clever filmmaker, and I, I really like that. And I had a good time with that. I do think that the once they come out of the hotel room, the film does start to plod a little bit. And I didn't like that as much. Mm. But I liked the bit within the hotel room, and the stories were were, were fun enough that I that I will forgive. The fact that it does start to plod a little bit and does become a little bit standard. I quite like the the whole vibe of um, she's trying. He's trying to kind of incorporate into her world and you know how that looks. She's going about her normal stuff and he's just kind of at home and he's this like super powerful genie. And he's just kicking around home in a hoodie. Yeah. I did wonder, actually. Um, so you know the bit where um, she finds him, like, in the basement? Yeah. And he goes a bit, like, peculiar and his voice changes and things like that. Yeah. So, you know the guy that she meets at the airport when she first goes to Istanbul? Yeah. I was wondering if he'd like maybe disguised himself and it was going to turn out that he was a trickster. Ah. But that... That's interesting. Because the voice was, was quite a lot like that little guy's, wasn't it? Yeah, I... I I actually thought something else. What? So, and it didn't happen, but I thought, ooh, wait a minute, is something going on here? So, a couple of points... Like, at one point, somebody calls her a witch... And then he asks her if she's a witch. Mm. Um, and then, like when she's because like she when she starts like boxing up his stuff, yeah, and starts and looks like she's gonna write a name on it, and she's done the same thing with her husband. Yeah, I started I, at that point. I thought, oh, wait a minute, is there some is is she fucking some kind of fucking witchy sorceress? No, it won't. <laughs> no. Yeah. What did you think, Ian? You see, this this is what I find really interesting. I didn't, for one minute, think that there was anything going on other than he's a nice gin, she's a nice librarian. But it seems like, listening to other people, like not just yourselves, but other reviews of it, that part of the tension of it is, is he trying to trick her? And all the way through, I was just like, no, he's not. Um, so, but I still really enjoyed 
the first, I don't know, like three quarters of this film because I really enjoyed their vibe together and I enjoyed the stories. I like the stories that were being told and the way that were being told. Uh, like just visually incredibly dynamic, great sound design, and uh, you know, really good performances. Um, I was a little confused by the end as to why she was seeing shit. I didn't really quite get so like that little person trying to steal their luggage and then the the, the guy in the crowd like what that was all about. Um but then I thought it kind of fell apart in the last quarter where the film seems to think that we just want them to get together and then like it's kind of bittersweet what happens after that when she makes that wish i was just like that no don't buy it yeah that does come out of nowhere a little bit the wish thing and like there's the he's he's talking in the last story and then she gulps at that one point and it's like okay she's into this but then, just like how it turns into a complete about face, and you, you, you know, you, and maybe in a rewatch it'll be like, all right, well, she didn't really mean what she was like saying about like being fine, being solitary and whatnot. But I don't know, like she's solitary, but she's not friendless. No, that's it. And I worried about that from the trailer. I thought, are we going to get this quite cold? I don't need anybody. Mm. What is it? But we didn't. And, I, and, that, and that, that's what I really liked about her character. Mm. She's she's not a recluse or friendless or anything like that. She's perfectly fine. She's a very yeah. capable woman living her life. I loved when she told her. But then like, the last... Well, that and and that's I was just going to mention that it's like I like that as an individual scene, but I am a little bit. What is that doing in this film? Like it 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 felt like the last quarter, like basically everything post hotel room, just didn't quite vibe for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm there with you. Yeah, I, I don't agree. And I, I mean, but the thing, like, sorry, you don't agree. No. Okay. All right. No. 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 Yeah. No. I mean. I just. Yeah. It. Okay. No. No. That's. 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 That's fine. I'm. I'm. I'm glad. I thought it was sweet. <laughs> you know? I thought it was sweet that he tried to fit into a life and be whatever he could be within her world. But ultimately, obviously, it didn't work. And then, obviously, she. She kind of releases him from the wish, from the bottle, mm. and he can go to I don't know, genie heaven or wherever it is he goes. And you kind of think, right, okay, so what was that? Was he with her because he cared about her? Or was he with her because he was obligated because of the wish? And then at the end, when it turns out that he comes back to visit her and stays longer than he should and all this kind of stuff, it was like, oh, he really did love her. That's so cute. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And and I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, in the kind of, like, the classical love story kind of tales, like, I think, that that does work and like the way that this is telling kind of like classical stories with like broad themes within the film i think maybe maybe that does work but in terms of i don't know modern movie making sensibility i'm just thinking 
I don't, I don't buy that relationship being as deep as that means. I get that they like each other, and I think they got, you know, it's Big Driss Elbow and Tilda Swinton, two people you wouldn't necessarily would automatically say would have chemistry with each other, and they do have chemistry with each other. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily. This film doesn't. When she gives that wish, I don't buy that wish, and then I don't buy Idris Elba actually being yes. I you know actually I I I do love you. If it, I don't know. If it was companionship, as opposed to I don't know. But there's the just the, the distinction there is is murky. It just it didn't quite fit and like i say that scene with her having a go at the neighbors it felt like george miller had just been like for a week in london and was like people are fucking horrible and wrote a short <laughs> film within this film and i agree yeah. it, that that, you know, that almost feels like like a, like a story tilda swinton told about her neighbors and george miller went yeah, yeah let's put it yeah. in <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure. And it, I, I, yeah, I. The, but the thing is, what Bex is saying, I, I, I it, it's not. It's not something where I'm like, I don't get get where that's coming from. And I think maybe a second watch, I'd key into that more. But on the on the on the first watch, not not so much. I don't know. I just I think and it, it's a shame because I'm really enjoying it up to there. Yeah, I, I think he. I think the wish from her comes from. She'd kind of, after a marriage failed, convinced herself that she didn't need that romance kind of aspect to it. She was happy with her friends, she was happy with her life, but it was evidently there. And him telling the stories about all his like love affairs with all these women and what they've brought to him personally, and how like passionately he tells the stories about these women of his life, maybe it just like reawakens something in her that's like actually fuck no I do want that I do want the romance and the passion and that you know I, I I do miss it and then I think from his point of view I think he appreciates her like her complete contentment with she's not when she's offered three wishes she don't go right I want this this and this she's she's just like ah, do you know what I'm all right and I think for someone that can grant wishes like if you I don't know Say you had unlimited money and you went to someone and you were like, I want to make your life better. I want to give you whatever money it'll be to make your life better. And it's like, nah, do you know what? I'm all right. It's like, I, I don't know. He, he wants to be able to give her something in exchange for his freedom and she just doesn't want anything. I think that must be quite intriguing for him. I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, no, I, I, I absolutely get it. And it, I don't know. It, I'm not going to go hard on this this last quarter ruined it for me because I absolutely I think a repeat viewing of it I I, I like I, I it just made gel for me more there um but on on a first time watch I I I really like the film and like the the scene where he first comes out of the lamp and he's speaking that like foreign tongue and he's a bit where it's like he's absorbing all the information and just like the way that the fucking Apple startup sound kind of like 
goes as he's like sucking it in <laughs> and the little Einstein thing. I mean, like that stuff, it's so playful and just like nobody but George Miller is going to do that shit. Mm. You know, I, I, you know, it, it's... In the hands of so many other I'm... filmmakers, this movie would have been two hours, 40 minutes long and would have been a fucking mess. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's not. It just... It's a last quarter that seems to be quite speedy where the first three quarters took their time. And then you've got Big Drisp Elbow kicking a football at the end of it, <laughs> which I fucking know he suggested. I know he fucking suggested yep. that. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good film. It's a good film. Yeah. I, I, I'm fully four out of five. Uh, definitely not shit. Yes. Yeah, Same. Not shit. You will believe a Swinton and Elba could fight. Yep. That should be the sag line. Sorry, Bax. No, I was just saying, yeah, definitely not shit from me. Yeah. Our audience poll was definitely not shit, uh, 71%, and Touching Cloth, 29%. Fair play. And our, our, our second week in a row of, of covering a Bigger Elbow film. Yeah. We've got any Bigger Elbow coming I'll up next look week? And see. I don't think we, we do, week. no. But we've got anything coming up before the end of the year. No. <laughs> I feel like we do. Big Drisp Elbow, not in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. <laughs> I, I fucking love that. Bodies, Big Drisp, Bodies, Elbow, Bodies. Uh, at least got nothing else coming out this year. Luther, but that's... Oh, that's a film. That is a film, apparently. Really? Yeah, the Luther film. Right, great. Coming out on Netflix. Have you watched Luther? Go watch like the first episode. You watch the first episode. Go watch that like we did Downton Abbey a New Era. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is Luther Prick. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Don started watching Downton Abbey on Netflix. And it's like every now and then I just do find myself watching five minutes and just going like, this is all right. This is good comfort TV. This is. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I'm never, I'm, you know, I'm never going to fucking watch it. Don't get me wrong. But it, it's, I don't know. There's, it's got a, it's got a vibe. Anyway, let's have some questions. Well, I asked the question saying, off the back of Don't Read Darling premiere uh, this week, who are your favourite musicians who've also acted? Um, Rick Kidd. Probably Sinatra or Dean Martin in things like From Here to Eternity, Real Bravo, Ocean's Eleven, and you can't forget the Cannibal Run films. Probably best to avoid Pet Shop Boys film. It can't happen here. A trippy slice of 1980s. He is right. That is a weird film. <laughs> uh, Mike Chinstroker uh, says Tom Waits. Uh, and Andrew Jones, friend of the show, uh, we have a gif of uh, Jesse Buckley. Is Jesse Buckley a musician who acts or an actress who has released an album? I thought it was the other yeah, way around. Yeah, I think that could be the other way around there. Tom by, the way, by the way, her album with um, Bernard Butler is really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, fair and, play. And I also love how the fact that Whilst, like, she's got, like, another movie coming out um, that that could get her another uh, Academy Award nomination, (laughs) 
Um, while everyone's doing like the press, starting to do the press phone and talking, she's just not. She's just touring with Bernard Butler, playing like really small, like two hundred person venues. <laughs> nice. Living best yeah. life. Good on her. Yeah, that's it. She looks to be having a great time. Um, go on. What you what you guys want? Tom Waits is a really good shout. I mean, Tom Waits is a fucking great shout. Like, yeah, Tom Waits would 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 probably be mine. I mean, Bowie's got a bit Bowie and Firewalk with me is a pretty, pretty good one. Yeah. Meatloaf and Fight Club. Meatloaf yeah, and yeah. Fight Club's a good shout. Does, does Prince in Purple Rain count, or was that essentially a really long music video? No, I, think you, I don't think you can have that. Can I have Dwight Yoakam? I don't know who that is. Dwight Yoakam's a good actor. What, in Panic Room? Yeah, he's great in Panic Room. <laughs> he is good in Panic Room, man. Yeah. I think there's there's there's, there's 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 one we're missing. Damon Albarn in face. face. Yeah, Damon Albarn in face. Face, face is a good film. Albarn's actually not bad in it either. I think it's weird when you have like musicians that become actors, then their acting career completely eclipses their singing career, and you completely forget that that's what they started as. Like Zendaya, for example, you'd never look, you'd never think, oh yeah, she gave up a really successful singing career to be an actress. Yeah, but did yeah, when she was Disney acting before she did singing though? I don't think you can have those. Mm. Uh, do you ever remember the? I remember anyone seen? Because I have seen it. I think I made you watch it, so. <laughs> The um, David Stewart movie, Honest, that starred like three quarters of All Saints. <laughs> And the other one just went, I'm not fucking doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's terrible. <laughs> it's David Stewart. Yeah, that was a weird Try to do like a fucking like like try to do a Guy Ritchie film, but having like the Appleton sisters in it. Mm. <laughs> and one of them's like a really badass. <laughs> and then you've got ones that try really hard to make it happen and they're just shit. Like Lady Gaga. She's really good in Star is Bob. She's fine. She's no, the she's... weakest thing in it. No, she's not. I mean, she's in it with Bradley Cooper. She is. She's, she's not the weakest than... thing in it. She's weaker than Bradley Cooper and she's weaker than What's-His-Face. Racist cowboy man. Homophobic cowboy man. I don't think he's homophobic. Yeah, he was shitting all over what's it, wasn't he? I think he's... Yeah, I don't Talk think he... cowboys. quite call him homophobic <laughs> for those comments, though. Um, right. This is a record. I, I really like it. I'm not. Well, no, you just called him a homophobe, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was a joke. Um, Rick Kidd, as see how they run is coming out. Who are your favourite movie detectives? I mean, we have to see how Glass Onion goes, but Benoit Blanc is pretty good. Um, fucking Marlowe in The Long Goodbye. Actually, Marlowe in The Long Goodbye is my fucking answer because he looks like he's going to fall asleep the entire time. Ace Ventura. Crap. But he is transphobic. He is he? transphobic, yeah. There is that problem. Like, that fucking film. Like, that film is so innocent in so many ways and, and then it's just... 
it does that whole thing and the thing is the thing just, that, but the thing is it is riffing on the crying game <laughs> no i mean but it just like the it is but it's very his reaction like and the sequence that plays out there yeah i mean it, even even Carey has come out and said yeah no <laughs> I should get criticised for that. I am sorry. Yeah. You know, the fact that he, the fact that he he, did, he has come out and gone, yeah, people should criticise me for it, and I should I, I I should stand back and go, you're right to criticise me. Mm. You know, <clears throat> yeah. I'm trying to think of. See, I like Fletch, but I can't have Fletch because not technically a detective, he's a investigative reporter. Alex Cross. Alex Cross, Tyler Perry. No. Fuck you, Tyler Perry. Morgan Freeman. Nope, Tyler Perry. Morgan Freeman. Tyler Perry. What the fuck are you doing? I'm doing the Alex Cross, Tyler Perry stance. I don't know what that means. It does this for no reason. In what? In in, in Alex Cross. Well, I haven't seen that. It's fantastic. No, Morgan Freeman. We need a drunk commentary. Morgan Freeman is Alex Cross. Honestly. No, it's not Tyler Perry's Alex Cross. No. It's fucking great. Who even the fuck is he? What? Tyler Perry? See, he's not the man that does those awful fucking Medea movies. He is he? indeed. Oh, God, he can fuck right off. God, you're salty tonight, are you? Yeah. Had a very intense day at work. Um, Andrew Jones. Now we've experienced Michael Flatley's cinematic opus, what unlikely famous figures do you want to see try their hand at cinema? And what kind of film would they make? Oh, God. Um. Um, Suella Braverman doing a very, 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 like, method take on Castaway. What you're saying is you just wanted to get in the city? Just fuck off on an island and film yourself for a few years talking to a volleyball. Let's just see what comes out of it. Maybe it'll be a hit. Is she like Home Secretary now or something? What? Yep. Oh, fuck she off. is going to be. She is going to be a fucking disaster. Um, cleverly like it. Never there has been a more obvious oxymoron than James Cleverly. <laughs> nice. I just yeah. Suella Braverman is Home Secretary. It's what's, like what? 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 What's it is more? that. I don't know yet. It hasn't been announced yet. It, that that is fucking funny though. He's being tipped for Business Secretary. Nobody wants to be Energy Secretary under him. Fucking hell. Who's health? Why would you fucking want to be? Who's health? Um. Oh, that fucking Therese Coffee. She's a Deputy PM as well. Therese Coffee. Yeah. A woman who looks like a fucking human table lamp. His health secretary. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Um, oh, go on, Bex, what's yours? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, that spun me out a little bit. That question. I don't know. Because it could be anyone in the whole world that's a public figure. I'd... I'd like somehow I'd like just for the sheer fucking just batshittery of it I'd like somebody probably Elon Musk 
to give Kanye West $500 million to make a biopic of his own life. Because can you just imagine? (laughs) (laughs) What, Elon Musk giving notes to Kanye West about what his half a billion dollar biopic should look like? (laughs) Because can you imagine that? Oh, shit. Oh, fucking hell. It'd just be fucking... <laughs> it, it it literally would be somehow one of them would fire themselves into the moon. God, I hope they go together. It'd be brilliant. But like in all of the wrong ways. Mm. And do you know what would end up happening? It'd get released on like fucking Peacock on a Tuesday. <laughs> I'd be on some I fucking just, I am so, evangelical channel, wouldn't it? I am so glad I'm going to drive a Tesla during my Florida trip and just get it out of my system <laughs> and then never need to drive a Tesla ever again. Yeah. Um, fucking Dylan Black Lantels. According to Google, there have been... I don't know why I'm reading this at a weird angle. I should just hold it in my hand and read it when I can see it. According to Google, there have been 29 Marvel films and 31 Carry On films. If you were to cast a member of Carry On movie in an upcoming Marvel film, who would it be? I'd go with Bernard Breslau as X-Men's The Juggernaut or Charles Hawtrey as a multiverse Loki. The Charles, the Charles I mean, Bar- a fucking Barbara robot. Windsor as the Barbara Windsor as the Hulk. Barbara <laughs> Windsor's like a multiverse She-Hulk. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that that yeah, that was pretty fucking spot on that. <laughs> I think Ian. Oh, Sid James uh. is like a British Army version of Cap. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> fucking hell, Bex. <laughs> and that'd be good. Oh, it's just. <sighs> Jesus. Fucking. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's, that's kind of depressed me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say we move on from that. <laughs> All right, well, and sorry for me just knocking the thing on the mic there. Um, All right, well, coming up next week, we have got See How They Run, Saoirse Ronan in a little police cap. (laughs) The Um, kink you never knew you needed. (laughs) Um, I feel very dirty old man when talking about Saoirse Ronan, I'll be absolutely honest. Um, Because she looks about 12. Yeah. She she's no, nearly thirty. She doesn't look about. She does. Listen, let let let's not go down the orphan road. Yeah, I was just going to say you're keeping her in your Isabel Furman stable. <laughs> oh no, she's twenty eight. But she looks. She doesn't look twelve. She looks like a twenty eight year old woman. No, she doesn't. Not she was there. Not in any of her films. She does. She doesn't look twelve. So let's see how they run. <laughs> and also, uh, bodies, big dress bodies, Belbo bodies. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I think. Oh, Pinocchio. Oh, God, yeah, I, we knew there was something else, didn't we? Pinocchio. It's Disney Plus Day on Thursday, guys. How's everyone celebrating? Pinocchio. Um, so we'll have Robert Zemeckis's Pinocchio with that. They're just absolutely <laughs> out onto Disney Plus. Like, no promotion for that. What I mean, like I heard a radio ad the other day. There's been a couple of trailers, but. Like, Tom Hanks isn't going out doing promo for it. Robert Zemeckis isn't. It's just, here you go, here's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Here's, here's the latest movie from the guy who directed fucking Forrest Gump. Even though, then again, see how they run. I haven't seen that trailer once in the cinema. Actually, once about three months it's... ago. And I've seen it on every bus since... Okay, so at least they're actually giving it some sort of promotion then. All right, that's something, because I've seen nothing. So, um, there you go. So, yeah, we'll have a... And I, th- I think we'll all get to all of those yes. next week. So, that'll By the way, fine. Detective. Detective. Uh, detective. Oh, Axel yeah. Foley. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, well, all right then. They're filming Beverly Hills Cop 4. Did you see the, the photo of Judge Reinhold and the other guy on set? Uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, I thought, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. And weirdly, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in it. Yeah, he is. Oh, do you think he's going to turn out to be a bad oh, yeah. guy? He's also Jimmy uh, Cricket in so, uh, yeah. Pinocchio. Um, great. What a career he's having. Yep. Um, so, that'll be it. Did all the preamble at the start, and we still got the Planet of the Apes show to record. So, I'm going to say thank you very much, Becky. Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you very thank much, Thank you very much, Ian. And get, the fu- get us the fuck out of your ears. Motherfuckers. Goodbye. <laughs>